Hello and welcome to Experience Our Ally at Work. Today I'm speaking with the Reverend Martin Henwood, who is based in the UK. As well as providing the role of priest in his local community, Martin has also been incredibly active in community development across the entire region where he is located. He's also been the chair and board member across various organisations in community health and education. As well as this, he is an organisational analyst having trained in various group relations guises over the years and apart from all of that he is an artist and has recently designed some reflective cards in the spirit of tarot for those of the Christian faith. I'm really looking forward to chatting with Martin today because he is always very available to his own experience and is willing to explore that in the moment. And I'm sure that he will be able to share how experience has truly been his ally in work. Hi Martin, great to have you on the show today. How are you? I'm well, thank you, Rebecca. Um, yeah, it's brilliant to be on your show. I've listened to some of your podcasts already and they're cracking. Well, as you will have heard then, one of the first question that I ask everybody is, when did we first meet? Do you remember? And did we learn anything? What were we up to? Well, I'm going to change it slightly because I think I first met you at a group relations conference. But I think meeting somebody, really meeting somebody, takes place later once you've built up a relationship with them. And I really properly, let's put it this way, properly met you at your wedding and uh, your generosity after the wedding to be a host or hostess for a few close friends. And uh, normally people go away on their honeymoon, but you actually stayed for a few days and said, come into our home and enjoy our hospitality. And we played cards, not in the sense of um, whist or um, flatjack or whatever, but in terms of actually working with um, tarot cards or picture cards, working with the unconscious as it makes itself known. And uh, what I learned from that um, were several things. Uh, one was around um, the ability to not see. We have a mutual friend and I have a very clear memory of a card being turned over. And there are about four or five of us watching. And we all knew exactly what this card was about. We all did, except for the person who was working on the card. And she refused <laughs> to go there. It was so blindingly obvious that it was about a particular relationship. And boy, she avoided. And I thought that was really quite interesting. We were all very gentle. None of us pushed because you can't at this work. But I suddenly realized even this very capable person will not see what's blindingly obvious in front of them. Mm -hmm. um, so I, that's one of the things I learned. I think the other thing I learned from you was um, the gift of working with, with cards and working with pictures, a way that it tugs at our uh, stuff that's not visible yet. It's just the edges of it. You know, you quickly look at a picture and before you know it, an image, a phrase, 
uh, a feeling has come into you. you. You've not been able to censor it at all. There's been no defense about it. If you're courageous and you can catch on to that first impact and work with it uncensored, uh, it can reveal quite extraordinary insights. And you didn't know at the time, but I came back from the flight home and over the flight home, I was caught with the fact that actually um, I'm, 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 a, I'm a Christian priest, that Christians have not really worked with this sort of material in a way. And there's a whole lot of gifts, you know, in terms of biblical characters, in terms of values. So I, I put together my own set of cards and it's called Orisons and I've been really blessed in the way that they worked. You turn over a picture and people immediately start working with it. It's extraordinary. So it provides a portal, doesn't it, or a way into a conversation with people that um, that you may not have got to just with words, is my experience. Yeah, and I think the, the challenging thing to explore, Rebecca, is how much of it is from us, what we read in, or how much is it the work of another realm, mm -hmm. which actually presents itself and makes its own purchase on us. I mean, this is um, very interesting territory to explore. You know, everybody can sort of say, well, of course, you're programmed to look at a particular card in that way because you've turned this one over. Say, for instance, I turn over the card scapegoating. Oh, well, I immediately think that um, that's because I've been scapegoating somebody, you know, and I can put that because that's coming from me. But if we really pushed it in terms of thinking, well, what is the universe or source or the whole mystery of what is, is, is actually participating and saying, well, I'd like you to pay attention to this, please. That it's not just solely within us, there is another dimension which is at work. Martin, my, my association was though, uh, we, know it, we know a lot more now about collective resources that are unseen. So we know about memory that you know, our memories are not just our own, for example. We, we know a lot more about epigenetics and, and what passes and is carried through physically. Uh, we, Sheldrake's work on the morphic field, dogs know when you're coming home. Um, you know, <laughs> one of my favorites. Uh, so, so I think if we, science is catching up also, so it, it's, Perhaps it's part of what's our, what's the opportunity and the resource is what you're trying to say. Like what, what's the potential that we can tap into here beyond our smallness, I guess, at times is how I think about it. Yeah, and, I, and if we develop this a little bit further, uh, I, I'm thinking about how materials and persons um, can be influenced by the other realm or the morphic fields and, and resonances. Um, one of the uh, areas that I have explored is constellations, you know, constellating a system. And um, I did this a few years ago in my, with my parish. Um, there were particular issues about various tenants within our building, because we have quite a large complex, not just a church, but a hall and offices. And um, I went away and uh, with several other people that were totally unconnected to the church. Um, we, we set up a constellation of the, the, the various institutions that mattered in there. 
So one was the church, one was the cafe, one was the National Health Service, one was Citizens Advice Bureau. And we invited people to take on within the boundary of where we were working that, that to embody the institution. And so I was absolutely taken aback by the way that the person that decided, well, I will take on the role of the Citizens Advice Bureau, we just couldn't pin down. Uh, <laughs> just moving, just constantly moving. You thought, now, have you settled here? Are you, are you happy in this position in the room that we're trying uh, to populate? Yeah. No, no, I want to move somewhere else. And we spent about 10 minutes trying to sort of move around this particular institution. And eventually they left the room. I'm not joking. They actually <laughs> went out of the boundary and left the room. And I thought, well, this is extraordinary, really, because I had felt them as a difficult or challenging group to tie down. Yes. And then, lo and behold, over the next two or three years, trying to sort of say, well, which part of the building would you like to have your offices in? They're all over the place. Until eventually, you guess, they left. <laughs> now, if only I'd have known, and we talked about, you know, somebody seeing the bleedingly obvious, mm-hmm. but not wanting to go there. Well, I had that in my mind, and I was thinking, wow, okay. And Because the, 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 the interesting thing was, we were about to spend a huge amount of money on building an office complex for them. Mm-hmm. And at a meeting, I was thinking, do you know what? I'm the only person here that's actually still holding this bit of information. And therefore, I need to surface it, you know, so saying that I am not 100% sure that uh, I'm comfortable with doing this. And mm-hmm. everybody else was. And then eventually we got to a position where we realised that, no, this was not the right thing to do. So you were really in touch with the dynamic that can be created based on the purpose of an organisation and how it operates. Yes, and their behaviours. So there's something about not just connecting in terms of morphic resonances from the past, but also future dispositions which we are being attracted to, pulled into, which we really do need to pay attention to. Mm-hmm. So how do we work with the behaviours in the here and now in order to uncover what might be going on more broadly? Yeah. Is, is the territory that you're in. Yeah. 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 So, Martin, those cards that you mentioned while we're on the morphic field, would you like to, would you like to use them with me? Because I've... Okay, I've, well, look, we're on screen, so you can actually sort of see me shuffling them for you okay. on your behalf. And you just say stop mm-hmm. when you're feeling comfortable that we stop and then i'll take one or okay. two you can then. stop mm-hmm. i can stop okay so if i pick up the top one yep and the top one can you see resurrection yeah. mm-hmm. beautiful okay i had a sister i had a, a question in mind by the way yeah yeah so did you with that card, did you just, was that just general around whatever I was asking? Is that what you were up to? Well, yes. No, I, 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 the way I worked it with was that, um, you know, this is your card mm-hmm. that you've pulled out for you to work with. Yeah. So what is it really about resurrection? Yeah. Where does think, that, what does that evoke within you? It's a beautiful picture, by the way, of the butterfly. 
Absolutely beautiful. Uh, I would say the phase I'm in with my work and study. So it's coming to a close and I think there's a, um, and I feel like I have been in the cave. If I link it to Christodom, you know, died and rose again, but more broadly, I feel like I've been in a cave uh, doing this work. So it does resonate for me. So the butterfly is emerging actually from a chrysalis. Mm -hmm. So and there are a number of uh, chrysalises hanging there. Yeah. And this one is escaping from its cage. It's mm -hmm. the first in the whole line. So the, the question about working with the cards is, do you have a question around that for you? Because then I can then reveal the next card that lies underneath that. Uh, I would say any insights around this next phase. So that, that to me speaks of what I'm in the process of, which is finishing and you know, coming out of the crystallisation. So the next card, I'd invite insights. What would the insight be? In other words, what you want to pay attention to. Exactly. That would okay. be Okay. So I'm holding that up. Oh, dear. That's beautiful. That's the heart. Yeah. That'll never take off, Martin. <laughs> <laughs> but let's, let's look at it a bit more closely because also it is the heart yeah. within a cage too. That's my reaction because it's a sort of heart within one of those tin lanterns. Oh, it is too. I couldn't see on the, the yeah. It is. Oh, so it's in a tin. It's in a okay. tin. It's in a metal tin, and there's a mm. candle within the heart window. Yeah. Which is um, creating the light and the warmth, and also it's causing a double reflection mm. or a reflection. So you just see the the flame. Not just one flame, but you see it well hovering above two. Mm -hmm. So mm. what's that asking you to pay attention to or inviting you to consider and work with? I wonder about being open, not intellectualising, because I can easily go to the intellectual, but working with the heart, desire, love, and seeing what is reflected back as a result from the world. That's, that's my association in this brief moment that we have. They're beautiful, Martin. It is beautiful. And I think that sort of takes me on to context, really, because okay. when we do this work, we work within a, within a context. And if you're thinking about, you know, where this takes you as you emerge from your doctorate, which is very intellectual and the desire to work with the heart, then we are coming out of COVID-19. We're coming out of this pandemic, this global lockdown, which you and I have very strong views about. And the whole invitation to open up mm -hmm. in terms of heart, where that leads us. And I suppose in terms of context, I think a lot of us have to pay attention to the wider environment about what's actually going on there. And recently I read an extraordinary book about the 18th century, which had a very different context to the 21st century. Mm -hmm. It was uh, a context in which the European nations were at their peak in terms of exploration, in terms of wealth, and they were just not holding back at all from exploring flight, exploring energy, 
exploring the stars, exploring the geography of the world. And they believed that everything was possible. Mm -hmm. And I found putting myself in the place of the 18th century so different from the 20th century, which has vast overshadows of world wars, Hiroshima, the Berlin Wall, the Cold War, the economic depression. And I just thought, that's such a, a different place. So what is actually being called forth from mm -hmm. people in, 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 a, in a different context? And I'm thinking that there's a lot of reflection that needs to be gone around in terms of where we are at the moment. And when we've talked, you know, about the whole idea of, you know, what's been really masked from the present context which is climate change. Mm -hmm. And mm. the invitation is how do we just not align our thoughts, but also our hearts. But, and also I would just add the real public health challenges as a result of the climatic conditions. So I, I don't believe from what I've experienced that we're really looking at public health in, it, that's espoused, but, you know, putting a mask on, washing your hands and, you know, staying home doesn't address some of the huge public health challenges we have as a result of the climatic, the global trilemma across health, diet and environment. So, um, you know, for each of us to be asking what's our part and what's called forth now, um, particularly amid so much fear, it's almost like, you know, linking with you around the 18th century, there's it's almost terrifying to even ask some of these questions for people. It has been my experience. Um, what does this mean? What does this mean for me now, for my family, for my work? I think that's such an important question. What does this mean for me, for my family, for my work? And where am I in all of this? And I guess that one of the reasons you invited me onto your podcast was to share a little bit about my uh, connection with the church and how I see the church playing its role or how a faith, whichever faith you subscribe to and inspires you, how that works within the world. Particularly, particular, I can't even say the word, in um, uh, such a secular, with so many secularised approaches and rejection, I will, I, if you will, Martin, of um, more traditional forms of faith and how you navigate that and, um, and continue to encourage people of different faiths and views, etc. So I was, I was very interested in how that shifted over time for you, I guess, and, and where you find yourself now. Yeah. Well, I, I think if we helicopter up mm -hmm. to what is the overall purpose of the church... Mm -hmm. um, you know, as one player, one, one his significant historical player, then we can extrapolate from that for other faiths and people of no faith, you know, what are the key insights that actually we, we share? So for me, the, the role of the church, and this is around sort of oscillation theory, which is mm -hmm. you go through life and then you take a knock and you need to recover. And the role of the church has been to help people recover themselves. Um, so if you think about it, there are three primary institutions within a society. There's the, uh, the army, the armed forces to defend and protect and fight. Uh, there's the monarchy, which is to try and hold all the people within it together. And there's the church, which is there to really 
bind up the wounded, those that have actually fallen on hard times, whether emotionally or intellectually. And I suppose one of the difficulties I've had with our current church thinking is that they all think about it as being converting people, getting people to join an organisation. And I've never thought of it that way. Mm -hmm. I've always looked at our church as one that's open. I know that our church is open during the week and I see a trickle of people, I don't know, come in there and say their prayers. Some are Sikhs, some are non-Christians. They just need to be able to sort of say, this is difficult times I'm going through. And on Sunday, even those that do go, um, the service has a particular dynamic to it, which it allows people to be real with themselves. There's, if you have Psalms at the beginning of the service, it allows people to sort of say how awful life is. Um, I'm at the lowest possible ebb. Um, in actual fact, God, I don't believe in you any longer. And then you are taken from that place of despair and given some insight or some words, a little, little bit like we did with the cards, you know, mm -hmm. this is where I am, mm -hmm. what do I need to pay attention to? And then you're sent out at the end of the service and you're sent to go back into the world to serve it. And I often have a phrase which I tell people that come to my church, look, you only need to come to church three times a year, Christmas, Easter, and one other Sunday of your choosing. Anything over and above that, you know, it's totally your, 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 your control. And if you look at it, people come to church in their life when they are born to be baptised, when they get married, when they have a significant commitment that they want to make to this other person, and then when they die, when they leave this world, those are the markers. So if I wanted to extrapolate from that, I would say that anybody working in the business of holding and providing a container for somebody to be real about the situation they're in, to gain some purchase and insight about what's actually happening in their family or in their work or with themselves, and if you're able to hold them in that, they themselves often provide the insight. Mm -hmm. Again, this takes us back into the territory of, well, I would say it's not just their insight. We go back into morphic reverences, the universe, mm -hmm. God, the future, what's calling. And it's this mm -hmm. interplay. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. So for me as a parish priest, that's the sort of territory that I'm in. Um, it's providing a, 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 a really strong container that's secure and safe for people to do their work. And Martin, you're part of my interest in um, hearing about your experience and your learning is also because I know you've taken a place back approach, if you will. So not just the church, people come to the church, etc. but really how I've understood it is, is you've looked at where the church is located, the, the demographics, the different organisations that are located in the area where you are and sought to um, uh, work and connect these different uh, organisations and people rather than be in competition or, you know, notions of scarcity. So could you tell me a little about how, what, you know, how you've, done that and what your learning's been through the role? Yeah, I, I yes, let me start with this sense of, um, what am I going to say? A parish priest has the cure of souls. That's everybody in the parish, whether they 
belong to whatever faith they belong to or none. And they also have the responsibility for every blade of grass geographically within that parish boundary. So I always take an interest in the various organisations and institutions that are actually living and working within that. So you've got your education system, you've got your health system, you've got your legal system. Um, you've got a number of systems in there and I fearlessly just go into any of them and just start asking questions. And the great privilege is that you're then able to make connections. So one particular example I can give is around um, a call outreach program um, in which there are a lot of young people in North Kent who are not given the gift of really singing to a high standard or being taken from, you know, the, just the very simple way of singing to a, a, a very high standard. Uh, it, it, it's just not given. And we managed to put together a project which involved pretty well all the schools in, in the area. There's something like 30 schools, primary schools. And um, because I'd also was connected with um, GlaxoSmithKline at the time, um, I just happened to sort of say, look, there are these schools that are putting together this particular singing project, which will have a platform in the local theatre. Uh, one of the things they do need uh, is some actual um, raised um, seating and benches. Um, is there any chance of you helping out? And before I knew it, they got £25,000 to enable that to happen. So it is about trying to link up uh, and connect the various organisations to enable them to see how working together they can make a difference. You know, together we're stronger. Mm -hmm. um, and what have you had to learn through your own role take up, Martin, to, for that to be effective? What have, been, what, what have you had to adjust or modify or...? Yeah, no, I'll go back, back to my very early years, very early years in, uh, when I first came to Darfur Parish Church. Um, I mean, it was a massive rebuilding project I had to do. You know, the church was um, in state of disrepair and I wanted to get it open. And I'd said to the congregation, the governing body, this is going to take all my time and energy. And we had public meetings uh, with uh, members of the congregation, the community. And there's one person stood up and said, um, you are betraying the tree estate, which is um, a, a council estate. You are betraying them. You're doing all this work and you're not doing anything for the people that are actually on there. I thought, well, I thought, bloody hell, you know, this is taking everything just to do, do this bit. You know, what, why, why are you nitpicking on that? And um, I, this was one of the first group relations conferences I went to and I, I presented this as my issue. I said, I can't understand. It seems so ungenerous of this person to really critique me for this. And back came the answer, well, maybe it's not their criticism of you, it's your criticism of yourself. Mm. What is it about the other that is absolutely true for you to pay attention to? And that hit me like, you know, uh, in the solar plexus. I thought, gosh, absolutely right. So I returned at the next meeting and I said to this character, you are completely and utterly right. And that began 15 to 20 years of incredible community work. We then resourced the Tree Estate community. We appointed community development workers. We worked with artists. 
Uh, we went all the way through into providing a youth service for Blue Water, and the pinnacle of it all was we built or refurbished Gravesend Old Town Hall. So out of that one remark, which wow. I was using to listen, there was extrapolated a whole series of community events. So I think that was the biggest insight, was really pay attention to that which is disturbing you, which you don't want to pay attention to. Or see. Or see. Where we started. Or see. see. It's actually a nugget of gold, if you would but just see it. So you might feel uncomfortable, but actually that's the source. That's the source. You've got to work with that. Yeah. How did you um, come to be in group relations? Like, that's how did you come to go group relations and do that work? What happened that you ended up there? Well, the temptation is to come up with uh, an easy answer, isn't it? I, I, I think, it, and can I, put it, uh, can I put it this way? Maybe it's not so much what I wanted to do but maybe it's what was wanted of me and what group relations wanted from me. Mm-hmm. And I responded to it. I mean, I can say what I like from my end. I liked the depth and I liked the sense of mystery mm-hmm. with which people who worked at group relations worked at. I liked the way that they made, because this is of course experience, isn't it? This exactly. is what this whole project is about. I yeah. like the way that, um, what I'm good at really is working with the experience, you know, the uncomfortableness, uh, also some of the really um, high stuff. I mean, if we use that word revelries, the excitement, uh, and how that is an integral piece of data with which you can work with. Because the great temptation is to work with it at all sort of mind. All in your head, that's right. All in your head. And here, for the very first time, was uh, a group of people saying, can you pay attention to what's going on in your body? can you pay attention to the way that people are sitting? Why is it that all the women are in one particular part of the room and all of the men are in another part of the room? Why is it that the policeman is at the end of a spiral large group and you're all able now to really talk meaningfully? Is it because this policeman is good at handling conflict and you're entrusting him to do it? And I'm thinking, gosh, this is a whole wealth of material with which you can work. And I think one of the other things, just talking, I I wanted to actually share this, was that um, when you work in small groups, you realise that actually what you see is only just the tip of the surface. I remember once being part of a small group and there was um, a nurse who'd gone through awful atrocities of recovering the corpses from the Bosnia massacres in uh, Srebrenica and that had really sort of shaken her up and she said I don't want to talk about it just don't want to talk about it mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. and then the next group meeting that happened the two two of us that were part that were listening to her saying I don't want to talk about it just sat either side of her mm-hmm. and then at the next meeting there was another people another person who talked about something completely different but it was saying everything that this other person didn't want to say. So that put me in touch with, well, when you have somebody presenting, it's not just them. It's about the whole group. It's a symptom of actually what you might need to dig underneath 
to actually explore. So, for instance, I'm going to mention the word scapegoating. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Uh, earlier as a card that was drawn, you know, why is it that we're scapegoating this, this particular person or this particular value or whatever? We need to dig deeper. Mm -hmm. Martin, you also mentioned the transforming experience framework as yeah. we came on today, just before we began. So do you want to speak to, and that's a, a I call it a navigational instrument these days, but, but what's been your experience of using it in your thinking and being? What, where's it taken you? I found it a really, really helpful um, navigating tool. Um, it talks about sort of four domains, the domain of the person, the contextual domain, the domain of the system, and the domain of connectedness to source. And for me, I think this idea of system is really important, locating yourself in a system. And I'm struck by how we construct within the way that we behave as a human species, the system that we're moving into. So if I move into a school system, all I'm here about learning, this is a purposeful institution about what's actually happening here. Some people may regress to their experience of when they were at school and become a child in it. If you go into a hospital, you there the purpose is to make the patients better. But of course, there's death and you mask yourself up in gowns. So there's a whole different cultural feel to it. Um, if you're in court, there's a real sense of imprisonment and legality and dare you cross a judge. Um, so as soon as you move into any sort of human construct system, there are all these feelings and you sort of try and locate yourself, well, where am I in all of this and what's my role? I can talk a little bit about this because I think if you think of the purpose of the system, we're all held to account for the achievement of this particular purpose. So if it's in education, then it is for the education and learning of the teachers and the staff. And anything that cuts across that, you can hold them to account. And I have used that quite a number of times, whichever system I'm in. My valency is to hold people to account. Mm -hmm. uh, I, 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 it's just one of those things. People don't want to go there. No. But if I think somebody's misbehaving, I call it out. So I've called out several times chairman of schools and saying, look, you're not doing your job because your job is this. And unless you do your job, then I'm going to confront you. It's, it's not a popular word these days, um, accountability. I also get surprised when I ask people I'm working with what they think they're accountable for <laughs> and how different that can sometimes be, often be actually, from what the how the organisation may view that. Tell me, Rebecca, I'm curious about this. When... Is there, are they clear about what they're accountable for or there is there quite often a befuddled sort of mind? Often um, a befuddled sort of mind, yeah. 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 And is it often just in the sort of personal individual thing? Of like, oh, I'm in the person who's individually accountable for myself. I'm not accountable for the work that I've been given to do or the person. I'm just telling me a little bit more about that because I'm, I think you're onto something here. People just not prepared to work with accountability, don't have it clear in mind because... If you're moving from one system to another in multiple roles, it's easy. You just sort of say, well, what's my purpose here? Forget Martin Henwood. Forget Rebecca O'Rourke. Oh, yeah, for sure. What's this homing being supposed to be doing in this situation with all of the information that's coming in? Yeah, including... What, what, are, what are they avoiding? What's, what's the big elephant in the room that they need to pay attention to? Yeah. I, well, I think, um, I think we've seen erosion, you know, linking with scapegoat. 
um, you know, we do want to blame an individual. You know, we're, we're quick to find someone to blame. I'm speaking very generally, by the way. Mm -hmm. uh, however, if you ask in, you know, in an organisation, there could be, let's say, 30 leaders, what are they accountable for? What are they, how are they contributing to the purpose? This, this gets tougher because what I feel responsible for can be quite different to actually what I'm accountable for in my role. And, and I think there's all sorts of reasons why accountability is scary because A, I have to hold myself to a standard or a, a level of working, but also if it's been named out loud, we may need to work with others around if, if they aren't hit, like your role, you get mobilised to hold people accountable. But that's very unusual, I find, these days, Martin. Um, you know, you get the workarounds or the... Um, the undiscussable or the putting up with bad behaviour that's crippling to organisations. Mm. So where so, does that where does that take us as we? Well, because I think you know if we want to talk about the transforming experience framework and in terms of accountability and trying to link it not just systemically, mm -hmm. not just individually, but I think the great thing that the transforming framework offers is with source, connecting us with source. Mm -hmm. You know, you're getting into the territory of, well, why are we here? Why have we been created at this time to be on this planet, in this mm -hmm. part of it, doing this particular thing? And, and I can share with you, um, you know, using the Transforming Experience Framework, the domain of source, where it really hit me. I was chairing a primary care trust for about six years. Mm -hmm. and We've done tremendous work. And there was some intimation about, well, Martin, would you want to go on and be in this super PCT? And I was not 100% sure what to do. And then I had a sort of um, line meeting with my chair of uh, chairs, you know, across the southeast. And I remember her saying to me these words, Martin, we do not want you here anymore. Mm-hmm. I thought, blood, wow. you've done such an awful job. And it wasn't that I'd done an awful job, but I heard it is, we don't want you here anymore. But it hit me so hard that I took some extra vision on it. Mm -hmm. And um, the person said, well, maybe this is not just coming from the chair of the Southeast region. Maybe this is actually coming from God. Martin, we don't want you here anymore in the health service. So maybe, Martin, what we want you is back in your parish church, back in your community. So, and, and that works with accountability. You know, to what extent have I gone off task or gone off purpose in working with the health? I've learned a whole lot of skills, which I've actually taken back into the parish and back into education. But I remember sort of those things appearing at voice all over. It's been a failure. But actually, working with it, and you know, I didn't want to see, I didn't want to hear that. No. But working with it, I then it was transformed into, well, maybe you're asking to be not here, but properly elsewhere, there and here. That's, um, that's a, a lovely reflection to take a piece of data, if you will, or you know, something so powerful given to you personally and then run it through the domains. Mm. I know it was a much more, I'm, I'm sure it was a challenging process to get there, but 
wow, what a reflective way to work. What if, what if she's speaking on behalf of my yes. parish? <laughs> what if she's speaking on behalf of, in your case, God or, you know, higher purpose? Or yeah. That's, that's a lovely, lovely way to think about what we receive. And, the re and then the resource that that allowed, Martin, incredible. Absolutely. Yeah, 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 yeah. We could go on, I know, but uh, I really appreciate you taking the time today, Martin, and uh, it's certainly been uh, wonderful hearing how you've used your experience um, where you're placed in the world, if you will. Thank you very much, Rebecca. Thank you.